Are you taking pharmacology and having a really hard time developing an understanding of all of the information that you have to know? The drugs, the interactions, the oral manifestations, some of the adverse reactions, how the drugs actually work with our own body systems? It's important for you to develop really good understanding of drugs and how they work because you will be doing direct patient care and you will be working with patients who present taking lots of different medications, they'll present with different chronic illnesses, and it'll be up to you to really understand what you're seeing when you're doing your assessment inside the oral cavity and connecting the dots to how that presents itself in relation to the pharmacology piece, the drugs that patients are taking. And you also want to understand how that impacts their caries risk, their periodontal risk. So if you're struggling with this content and you need a little bit of understanding and conversation about that, then this episode is for you. Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome. So glad to have you. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying. Pharmacology was one of the hardest courses that I took in dental hygiene school. And I was struggling really hard to try to just make sense of not only how the drugs worked with our systems, but memorizing all the different names of the drugs became very overwhelming to me. And I was a chemistry major before I went to dental hygiene school. So I thought pharmacology was going to be relatively straightforward for me. And it wasn't until I really recognized the value in understanding and doing a refresher on the autonomic nervous system that it became clear to me that that was directly related to the challenges I was having. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the autonomic nervous system and really do a review of how it works and how that relates directly to all of the different medications that patient take, patients take and how that's all connected so that it's not just pure memorization for you when you're learning about pharmacology, but it's really understanding how each medication directly works and functions with our own central nervous system, our own digestive system, our own respiratory system. So understanding how the central nervous system works, specifically the autonomic nervous system, really goes a long way. And I mean a long way. I had to go through and review all of AMP and the autonomic nervous system in order for pharmacology to even make one bit of sense to me. The other piece of information I just want to share is that it also wasn't until I was doing my nursing home rotations and looking up all the different medications that patients were on and connecting the dots between the drugs that the patients were taking and the chronic illnesses that they were having, that they had, and connecting the dots between those two things that really helped seal it for me as far as in the learning process. 
oh, these are the medications that the patients take when they have this chronic illness. And it's just really overwhelming at first because there's so many different medications that patients take and the words are not easy for us to learn. They, they just don't roll off your tongue and a lot of them sound the same. So it can just be, it can be a little bit of a hurdle to get over. So my hope is that by sharing with you that yes, I also struggled, but yes, it is possible that you can develop a good understanding. You just have to put in the work of first, I think the right step process is first understand the autonomic nervous system, then understand the different drug groups, and then understand how those different drug groups interact with the autonomic nervous system and what different illnesses those drugs impact and how they work. If you can understand the function of how these drugs work and interact with our bodies, the rest of it just kind of makes sense. So you're actually taking something big and complicated and breaking it down into small pieces, which I think is the way we all learn best. So hopefully this helps you in that way. I want you to think about what you already know or what you can reference when trying to develop a really good understanding of the autonomic nervous system. This is our automatic system. It's involuntary. And you've experienced every aspect of this part of the nervous system in your daily life. So I want you to connect the dots to make this a lot easier for you to understand. The autonomic nervous system is divided into two parts. You have your parasympathetic nervous system, called PANS just for short, and your sympathetic nervous system, short is SANS. So let's talk first about the parasympathetic. So the parasympathetic nervous system is responsible for maintaining the body, for conserving energy. Think about it as rest and digest. So it's responsible for things like secretion and digestion and absorption and waste removal and glycogen synthesis. You have slower breathing and slower body function when the pan system is being worked. Now the sympathetic nervous system controls the action, mostly during stress, and it prepares the body to act. It's fight, flight, or freeze. It helps raise our heart rate so that we can breathe rapidly and it prepares the body for some kind of action. The pans and the sands have opposite effects on the organs of our body. So for example, the sympathetic nervous system speeds up the heart rate and lung function because we're demanding that it needs more oxygen. The parasympathetic slows down the heart rate and the lung function because we're resting and digesting. Both the parasympathetic and the sympathetic preganglionic neurotransmitters use acetylcholine. Both the preganglionic fibers use acetylcholine, and the pans are referred to as cholinergic. The sands are referred to as adrenergic, action, adrenergic, right? Adrenaline, all those A words. Hopefully that helps you. Now, parasympatho is a prefix for a drug that's working at the parasympathetic system. And sympatho is a prefix for a drug working at the sympathetic nervous system. If a drug does what acetylcholine does, it is a cholinergic drug. If a drug does what norepinephrine does, it's an adrenergic drug. 
So you can see how those two systems of our autonomic nervous system are directly connected to how pharmacology works. So think of this suffix when you're thinking about dental terminology. Mimetic is a drug that mimics a neurotransmitter. Lytic is a drug that acts contrary to the action of an agonist. It stops the action. So both the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system have opposite effects on the organs, as we said. Now think about this. The central nervous system includes the brain and the spinal column. It constantly sends out signals to the rest of the body, and these are automatic. The stressful symptoms and signs that occur when the sympathetic fight or flight system is initiated are things like dilated pupils, salivary flow, tachycardia, increased blood pressure, bronchodilation. When the parasympathetic nervous system is initiated, we have the rest to digest, and the signs and symptoms are things like constricted pupils, increased saliva, lower heart rate and blood pressure, bronchoconstriction. Now, when we're comparing actual nerves and neurons of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, on the parasympathetic side, the effector organs are things like the heart, the smooth muscle, the exocrine glands, the neurotransmitter is acetylcholine, and the receptors are nicotine. The preganglionic neurons are longer in the parasympathetic nervous system than in the sympathetic nervous system. The postganglionic neurons are shorter in the parasympathetic nervous system, and they're a lot longer in the sympathetic nervous system. So the way to remember this is because fight or flight and action is needed in the sympathetic nervous system, that preganglionic neuron has to be really, really short so that the Impulse can travel a lot faster because we need immediate help with our body. So some examples in the body and how it presents, the heart speeds up with the sympathetic nervous system and it slows down in the parasympathetic. The pupils dilate with the sympathetic and they constrict with parasympathetic. There's decreased gastric activity with sympathetic and increased gastric activity with parasympathetic. The preganglionic fibers originate in the brain and they end at the synapse. The neurotransmitter carry the message from the preganglionic fibers to the postganglionic fibers, and a group of synapses make up the ganglia. The postganglionic fibers release a neurotransmitter to whatever effector organ it's trying to get to. So the sympathetic nervous system has really, really short preganglionic neurons that come out of the thoracic region. And they go through the synapse, which there's a synapse at each receptor, and then end up at the effector organ after it goes through the postganglionic neuron. So let's just briefly talk about the comparison of autonomic nervous system and the four drug groups involved. The adrenergic drugs, their action drugs, the fight or flight drugs, these are S plus mimetic. It increases the blood pressure, the pulse rate, and the respirations, right? So these are drugs that act like the action of the sympathetic nervous system. They dilate the pupils. An example of an adrenergic drug is local anesthesia. It's a vasoconstrictor. 
buprenorphine, albuterol, amlodipine, ritalin, levonorgestrel. These are all examples of an adrenergic action sympathomimetic drug. B blockers, adrenergic blockers, are sympatholytic. They slow down the heart rate. They decrease the blood pressure. Remember what I said lytic was. Lytic means the drug acts contrary to the action of the agonist. So an example of a sympatholytic drug would be a beta blocker drug, atenolol, propranolol. It dilates, so vasodilation, and it lowers the blood pressure. Now let's talk about cholinergic action drugs. These are parasympathomimetic. So they mimic the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest. They slow the blood pressure. They constrict the pupils. The heart slows down, bradycardia, relaxation of the smooth muscles, and vasodilation. The cholinergic drugs examples are glaucoma, pilocarpine, and then the last area are the parasympatholytic drugs, the ones that have the opposite effect of the parasympathetic nervous system. So these are cholinergic blockers and they make the heart rate faster. They dilate the pupils, there's drying, there's urinary tract motility, increased heart rate, lower bronchial secretions, and it causes bronchial dilation, also an increase in ocular pressure. Some examples of anticholinergic drugs, atropine, motion sickness drugs, scopolamine, benztropine. So when you are really looking at the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, think about what you know about yourself. What actions is your nervous system taking when you are relaxing, when you are resting and digesting? Think about Thanksgiving dinner. After you've eaten Thanksgiving dinner, how does your body feel? Your parasympathetic nervous system is kicking into high gear. Those long preganglionic neurons are transmitting down the path from your central nervous system in order to allow for rest and digestion. At the same time, if you have to take action and go into fight or flight mode, maybe you fall down the stairs, your body goes into immediate shock, and your sympathetic nervous system takes over. All of a sudden, your heart rate goes up, your lungs start to work a little harder to bring more oxygen inside your body, you'll notice an increase in your pulse rate. Those preganglionic neurons are a lot shorter in the sympathetic nervous system so that the message can get there faster. When you are learning about the autonomic nervous system, really take the time to learn how the preganglionic and postganglionic neurons are wired. So it really helps you understand how the body anatomy works with the body function. Most of this stuff is automatic and relies on the impulses that come out of our central nervous system for function. If we want to take a function away from the sympathetic nervous system, it has to be a sympatholytic drug that you're using to take action to work in contrast to the sympathetic nervous system. If you want to do the same, if you want to mimic the sympathetic nervous system, you are going to use a sympathomimetic drug. If you are trying to mimic the parasympathetic nervous system to relax 
and rest the body or bring heart rates down, bring pulse rates down, bring breathing down, then you are going to do a parasympathomimetic drug. If you are trying to do the opposite of what the parasympathetic nervous system is doing, then you are going to try to initiate the use of a parasympatholytic drug, which is called anticholinergic. So your parasympathetic drugs, your parasympathomimetic drugs are cholinergic and your parasympatholytic drugs are anticholinergic. Your sympathomimetic drugs are adrenergic drugs. So your sympathomimetic drugs are your adrenergic drugs. And then your sympatholytic drugs are your anti-adrenergic drugs. So just to wrap up, parasympathetic, rest and digest, chill, cholinergic. All right. If you want the opposite, it's anticholinergic. The sympathetic nervous system is action, fast moving, fight or flight. So think about that action, adrenergic. I hope that helps you guys. One of the problems I had though was the pupils dilate in the sympathetic nervous system, but in everything else, it's constriction, right? So it opens up the lungs, it gets the heart pumping because you need more blood and you need more air, you need more oxygen, but you also need more light in your eyes. I always got the dilation and constriction of the pupils messed up. So think about sympathetic nervous system, you need more of everything. You need more light in your eyes, you need more blood in your veins, and you need more oxygen in your lungs. And that will help you remember that the pupils dilate for the sympathetic nervous system fight or flight. And the pupils constrict. It's the only thing really that constricts in the parasympathetic nervous system. Everything else is rest and digest and chill but the pupils constrict as a sign or symptom of the parasympathetic nervous system. So I hope that little tidbit and share from my own journey of learning this content is helpful to you. I would invite you to send me any questions that you need answered. Questions come up when you listen to this podcast. I have a link in the show notes and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Also, I would appreciate a review if you have time to leave one. Thank you so much.